You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier from the Washington Post as we discuss our first look at the entire team following an OTA session, the first OTA session that we could that we were around since 2019 because they obviously didn't have it last year. We discussed what jumped out at us, including quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, safety Brandon Collins, and defensive back coach Chris Harris's energy, and much, much more. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Javala. That's N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. And Sam Fortier at Sam4TR. I have a story up now on ESPN.com about Ryan Fitzpatrick starting with a new team once more. And I'll have another story this week on the offense and the new and improved offense. Also, please do me a favor and rate the podcast on Apple or wherever you can. It is always appreciated. Before I play my conversation with Sam and Nikki, here are a few nuggets of information based off watching the practice. Number one, and this is a big one, the tempo was excellent. In fact, I was told they finished the session early for a big reason. I think it was like six minutes early. They got through all their work. It was not like this in the past. And to be honest, it wasn't like that last summer. That's the benefit of having three quarterbacks already familiar with the system and another who is a smart veteran who picks things up quickly. The play gets relayed properly. They break the huddle in time, and they play with a much better rhythm. Practices are just much more crisp when that's the case. When you have a young quarterback and a young one who struggled to know the offense, it does not go that way, and it just leads to a a discombobulated practice at times. But this helps everyone and most definitely pleases the coach. It was perhaps the thing he was most upbeat about. And one of the things, and I told someone this there today, one of the things from the past under Jay Gruden, when you'd hear people talking about they need to hit more, they need to hit more. Well, teams are limited as to what they can do with hitting. To me, the number one problem was always about the tempo and and the tempo of practice and, and something that's something players would talk about. But I always thought it was more about that than it was about hitting. Hitting kind of satisfies that prime, that, you know, whatever that urge, that primal urge just to be physical and all that, that's all great. But you go watch a Bill Walsh practice from back in the day, and it was always about tempo. That's how you that's how you build a good practice, and that's some of what I think we're going to see more of this summer. It was interesting to see Troy Apke playing corner. It's amazing how some freaked out about this on social media. Listen, he's a guy with terrific speed and good measurables. Take that for what it's worth. Two things you don't cast cast aside lightly in sports, size or speed. 
We know he can't play safety. He was terrible there. But if you think he has value, they've always liked him on special teams, then why not try? The thinking on their part is by limiting him to half a field, he does not have as much to worry about and can let more of his natural ability take over. We saw the struggles in the middle of the field. And it was hard to determine some of that through practices um, last year. Whether this happens or not, time will tell. But that's the thinking behind it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, they can move on. But this is the time of year to experiment with such a move. And one thing the staff lost last season was the ability to get to know their players. Obviously, other teams had went through all the same issues with COVID, with the COVID situation. But a new staff needs to learn their players. And, and they need to get experience in that in the system, in the new coaching staff's system. But the coaches have to learn what these guys can and can't do. They had to wait until several games into the season to see what certain to see that certain guys just couldn't play, and Apke was one of them. But now they have the ability to see what a guy can do right now. Apke is athletic and does have good length. He just couldn't play safety. I give him credit for trying to see if they can get anything out of him. It's a, kind of the same reason Washington moved Niles Paul to tight end a few years back. They knew he couldn't help him receiver. So really, to be honest, it was that or nothing. He'd be out of the league if he was going to try and stay at receiver. It will not be easy for Apke. And yeah, today he got beat to the inside on a deep ball to Deami Brown. There were two other defensive backs who kind of congregate on the play, including a safety who should have helped deep. But Brown made it a great catch in traffic. While social media kind of likes to extrapolate on an entire player's worth based on one play in practice, I'm not going to do that with Apke. I know it's an easy target there, but I will praise Brown for his catch. And I will say that Apke has a tough road ahead and it might be his last journey here. We shall see. But for them, it'll be, why not? On Sadiq Charles. Now, I've been told all offseason, and I told you this too, that Charles would be a guard. Yes, he could play tackle, and I've always heard that, and I've said that as well. But he would that, but he would compete at guard. Now, when you look at this logically, that's still, still where he will end up. But today, he was working at left tackle. They did not, you know, I'll get to this more in this in a minute, but they did not draft Sam Cosme and then sign Charles Leno to then start Charles to then start Sadiq Charles at tackle. If they felt he could play there, they would not have made both those moves and they would have kept Morgan Moses. When I'd ask people over there, what are your needs? Left tackle was always <laughs> was always one of the first things they would list when when I'd hear back from them. Charles did play there again today, in part because Leno had to miss because of the birth of his child, um, which happened a week, week or so ago. They do want to see what he's capable of in case it helps give them an option in the future. Leno's only signed for a one year. What if Charles looks like he can play it this spring and maybe you don't need him this season at there, but maybe he shows enough to do it in the future. Basically, what I've always been told with him is that he could be a really good guard. Um, and I think this is, you know, I go back to Brandon Sheriff. The book on him was always, he could be an all pro guard. He'd be an average tackle. I think the book on and Charles has always been that he'd be much better at guard, but that teams do think that he can play tackle. So we'll see. But I still think guard will be where he ends up. They do want to see what he can do. The last thing, again, this is what you do at this time of the year. The last thing you, you need to see what guys can do. The last thing I truly look at in May is the depth chart. This isn't about a depth chart. It's about seeing what a guy, can he help you at another spot? Because you already know that he can help you at guard, or at least you already have a strong knowledge there. And listen, guard is not completely set because you do have Brandon Sheriff. And again, you're going to, the same thing in a year. Where will Charles fit best a year from now? 
because I think that that you have Eric Flowers at guard and you have Wes Schweitzer there as well. Neither one of those are slam dunks to to be a great starter by any means. And I think you know Flowers, we saw what he could do here a couple of years ago. There was some down, there was an up and down to his game a couple of years ago. I just don't think a lot of people remember it. There were up and down to there were up and downs to his game in Miami. That's why they they moved on from him. He can play it, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. So that's why I think that Charles's best opportunity to play will be at guard. Finally, they're going to see what linebacker, rookie linebacker, Jamin Davis can do in the middle as well. They did this last year with other linebackers during the summer. They kind of experiment before moving John Bostic back inside. Now, Bostic was working with the starters, but it would be Davis in the middle. It's not about this position isn't about speed or, or athleticism alone. Certainly that's going to be a big help. It's about whether or not a guy can handle calling the signals, getting the guys in the right spot. Again, tempo on defense. Bostic does that really well. If Davis can handle it, it expands their defense. If not, he can play the will and be just fine. But even if he's playing the will, he can go, he can play in their big nickel D in the middle with Cole Holcomb and Kaliki Hudson. There was some, that was one of the alignments out there today. So he can still help them, even if he doesn't play the middle. I do think it's good to start to introduce that to him just to see. Again, it's May, and this is the time of year to do that. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. What stood out about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun. And every Friday, it's Home Run Derby. Bet on three guys who had home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week, you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC, and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. Sam and Nikki, we're back again, my dynamic duo here. First impressions of OTAs, and I know there's a long way to go with everything, but Nikki, what did you see? What's your big impression coming out of that first OTA session? I was mainly just interested to see how Fitzpatrick worked with the receivers, and more on like a communication standpoint and the little things of how are they getting on the same page? What is he doing to work with the younger players? I mean, they're they're running routes like on air. I mean, it's it's supposedly non-contact. They'll hit each other a little bit, but that stuff matters less to me. It's more of like the little things of you know h- how are they building that reli- that rhythm, that timing, just to get on the same page. So I thought it was really interesting when you see like Ryan Fitzpatrick go up to to Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin in between team drills, and you can see them kind of hashing out the details. Um, of a certain route or a certain play. So he's definitely a, a veteran back there. And I, yeah. I it, you can see how 
you know, that would be appealing to, to Ron Rivera, especially with the offense they have now. Absolutely. What do you think, Sam? Yes, yeah, certainly. I think beyond the quarterback, for me, it was the line in front of him, particularly after uh, the release of Morgan Moses and Jerron Christian. Uh, and particularly, you know, Sam Cosme, I think the spotlight is going to be on him throughout the preseason, because if that's the guy that you say, hey, you know, we got this guy in the second round, maybe we had a first round grade on him, and, and we think that he could be a, a guy that could step in sooner rather than later. Uh, that to me is a, a guy that you know, is, is very fascinating to watch. And also with Charles Leno not at practice today, we saw Sadiq Charles at left tackle. I know uh, Leno's probably that guy this season, and they see Sadiq maybe more as a guard. But, you know, the, for what it's worth, if you know, when you're not in uh, not in pads, but I think Sadiq had a, had a pancake on, on Casey Tuhill, and, and he kind of looked uh, mobility-wise like the player that, that Ron Rivera was excited about for two snaps uh, against the Giants before he got hurt last year. So to me, it was it was kind of that offensive line construction. Where do they go in, in that direction? And, and really, how quickly can Sam Cosme get up to speed? Because he played left tackle, he played right. Uh, I think Cornelius Lucas was at right tackle with the first team. Um, but really, I think, you know, those those names on the offensive line, those shuffling at tackles, uh, that that's, was really interesting to me. And, you know, it's funny you bring up Charles because, you know, all offseason you hear, he's going to, like, we all – They've talked in the past that he can play tackle, he can, but he's more of a guard. I mean, that's how they've kind of viewed him. But when you look at that line, too, when you're seeing him out there, it's like, okay, you got Leno and Cosme a tackle, um, most, very much most likely. But then at guard, you got a veteran in West Schweitzer, you got a veteran Eric Flowers, you got Brandon Sheriff. So with, with Charles, I'm wondering, too, like, are they going to, that's what's figuring out where he can play right now, but maybe also where his future spot is too, because Leno's only signed for one year. What if he can develop there? I still think that he's a guard and I still think that's where he'll play. Cause that's what I've heard more, but you know, it's, it's an interesting, this is the time to experiment, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think you're seeing that in other places with, uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to bring up Troy Apke after I got after to we talked about him last year, but, but obviously him playing corner this uh, at practice today was, was certainly notable. And, and I think it speaks to that experimentation that they're able to have this year, especially with Ron Rivera, not having, you know, these OTAs last year, I think we're going to start to see Ron, Ron test the limits of, of his position flex uh, theories, right? <laughs> I mean, how much can they ask these guys to do? Well, I also think, Nikki, I too, I wonder when I, the other point with the Charles that it looks like when you look at that, like there's just more depth there. Yeah. Do you agree? No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a little worried when they let go of Mark Moses and Jaron Christian, you know, how would that affect the tackle group? But I think the front five as a whole looks much deeper, um, more experienced in their depth too. It's not just more bodies. It's guys that, you know, have experience in the system and, and with this coaching staff, um, which can only help, I would imagine. So, yeah, I, the main thing for me, though, like you said, is kind of where do they envision Sadiq Charles? And, and right now they may not know, um, you know, but. We'll yeah. And, the, you know, the other thing, too, and um, since you brought up Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier, too, and I, I don't know if you guys could tell the reaction to Rivera's quote, about the quarterback and how, you know, in Carolina, they had to rely much more on the quarterback here. They have more weapons around them. People have kind of really, I don't know about taking offense to that comment, but they're like really kind of all over it. What was your take 
on that comment. I, I'm always of the mind that Ron says things deliberately. He knows exactly what he's saying. Oh, yeah. he, he thinks through what the reaction will be. Um, so I think part of it, he was being honest, but I, I think part of it, he may be trying to pump up the new guys around Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he knows what he has in Fitzpatrick, even though he's new, he's a veteran guy. He's, he's been around, you know, you know more of what you're getting in terms of the experience. Um, but maybe he's, he's trying to pump up the younger guys around him. I mean, he has done that before and talking to media and trying to use media to, to really boost the confidence of the younger guys. So that wouldn't surprise me, but I, I don't think there's, I don't want to say any way around the quarterback position. I mean, you, you need that guy to play well or else the rest doesn't. Right. That's just the that's reality, you know. Yeah, and 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 Sam, you know, when I look at it too, if you don't have that quarterback, you have to build up other spots. You also have to play up the fact that hey, we've got other spots that are, you know, we have the strength around this quarterback so he doesn't have to do everything and it sounds great. Reality is you still don't have that guy for the future, but what was your take on it? Yeah, I took that, I think, in the bigger picture, right? Uh, like, they know that, that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't the guy of the future. Um, and so and so it's – it's when Ron's thinking about building this team in a macro sense, it's okay, we're going to put all the pieces around it, around the quarterback, and then go find that that long-term guy in the future. And so to me, it's, it's – um, and obviously he took Cam Newton number one, you know, with his first draft pick uh, in Carolina. So I think it's just that that's more of a sense rather than, than downplaying uh, anyone else. And I kind of, I'm honestly a little confused by, uh, by the criticism of the quote. People are, people are taking offense to the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't the guy. I know that Taylor Heineke is like the Washington football team, Twitter meme Lord, but is it, is it, that people are, are saying Ron is doubting Heineke or doubting Fitzpatrick. I guess I'm a little confused by the, by the criticism. I am too. And I don't know if it's because I, you know, some people I've interacted with on there, it's almost like they got to get a quarterback. Well, I think they know that. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I just think if you don't have that guy, like Nikki said, you have to build up what you do have. And what they do have is an increased talent base around the quarterback they hope. So I don't think that the quest, I mean, Nikki, you don't think the quest for that guy is over, right? I mean, this, that, no, that, that you know, I didn't tell you this. Ron said his right. priority was to build around the quarterback position. And then when they find the guy, you plug him in and he's, he's in a good situation. I mean, how many other teams have we seen it where they, they go and get a young quarterback and, you know, they don't have a, a solid offensive line or they don't have enough playmakers around them. And that quarterback either gets killed or loses his confidence and is never the same. I mean, it's the same mistake made over and over again across right. the league, and they're trying to do the opposite. They're trying to do similar to what Buffalo did for Josh Allen. Now they got Josh Allen in year two, but they build up the roster around him, and look at the success they're having. Right, and Kansas City was another example. Yep. They had that yep. roster. They had Alex Smith for a few years. And then they went aggressive and got that guy. I think San Francisco is another example of a team that was aggressive because you know, the Rams, they don't, they didn't feel they were at that point. But listen, I can say this: I think we all know that they know 
they still need to go get that guy for the future. Right. Until you get him, you don't have him. And, and right now they don't have him. But can you win with this? If so, why? Well, it's because they feel better about the talent around him. Nikki, I'll stick on the message theme, too, um, about Ron knowing what he's saying. And there were 86 guys that practiced today. And this is a voluntary session. We stress that. But there were four who were not. And, right. you know, one of whom is Chase, was Chase, is Chase Young. And, you know, how do you think that sat with him? And did you detect any messages and anything that was said about his absence? Well, Ron didn't say this outright, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he clearly seemed displeased by it. Um, You know, it's, it's voluntary, but not really voluntary. Like you're expected to be there. Um, So I I think he was a a bit irked that two of his starting defensive ends on and in position on a unit that is the leader of the team was not there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's the player's prerogative. It is a choice. Um, they do not have to be, they are not covered if they get hurt elsewhere and they're working out. Um, but it, it seemed to clearly be bothered. And we've, we've heard from Ron in the past where he said, you know, it's, it's voluntary, but you know, if, you're not there that could hurt you so how voluntary is it really you could you could wonder but you know it, it matters to him it matters to the staff clearly and we don't yeah, know and, the circumstances fully so you know there could be- right right and, and again like yeah i mean listen in september this isn't a topic right i mean right. unless somebody goes out and struggles it's not a topic it's just it's a topic for right now but when 86 people are there and, and one guy who is a team leader is not i do think that it that they're okay with the way Montez has latched on to Chase, and Montez obviously wasn't here as well. Um, And I also think, too, Sam, that some of the things that Ron doesn't say is a message, I guess not so much a message, but he knows what he didn't say about Chase Young, which he didn't rip it, he didn't do anything, because he knows the importance of Chase Young to this team, and that, you know, when he came in here last year, he was ready to play. So do you, I mean, how big a deal for you do you think this is? For... What Ron said, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's notable, um, you know, that, that he was displeased um, or, or appeared to be displeased. And and like Nikki said, I think that it, he's very aware of, of the public perception of his quotes. Um, so he's intentional about them. But I, I think, honestly, for me, it's a little more surprising for Chase because this is, is kind of the uh, opposite of, of what Chase's – vibe was all last year and by that I mean you know he was a team leader he was very vocal uh you know Jack Del Rio I I feel like he had that he had a note at the end of the year about how just surprised he was about you know the emotional leadership that he had about how well his teammates responded to him so uh you know again we don't know the circumstances and and Chase might have a a totally valid personal reason or something like that um but but it, it definitely is is not in sync with I feel like the Chase Young that we saw uh, at the end of at the end of last year, uh, particularly you know leading those pregame huddles, being that that voice of, of that young core. Um, so I, you know it's pro- it's probably not a big deal as you said, but I guess it was just a little surprising when you showed up and he wasn't there. Right, and like I said, I mean you know, you know having we've seen guys before. Who don't show up to Sean Jackson wouldn't always show up and he goes out and produces on Sunday and nobody talks about it again beyond beyond this time. 
the key is you show up and you're ready and you go out there and you produce, then nobody cares. And, you know, everything you hear about Chase's offseason, he's doing all this work. We'll see, you know, we'll, 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 we'll find out in August. But do you, you know, were you, are you surprised at how many have been showing up given the talk around the league about these workouts? Yeah, I, I am because, you know, especially after last year when, when players were, were pushing for it to be more virtual and, and even during the CBA talks, right? Like the highest paid players, I wonder if there are parallels there. Um, and, and to me, uh, you know, I do wonder if some of those injuries, the, the Juwan James injury working away from the facility and now, you know, won't be covered. I do wonder if that uh, affects some guys thinking where it's, hey, you know, the, the virtual idea is nice. It's, it's nice to not have to be at the facility and, and to kind of do my own thing. But at the same time, if I'm not covered, uh, you know, that's on me. So, yeah, I, I, I was surprised there were so many players. But at the same time, I wonder if some recent current events have maybe swayed some guys to say, hey, let, let's show up. And Nikki, do you take what do you do you take this as a sign that so many guys showing up? Um, yes, I wasn't terribly surprised because I feel like this is the expectation of Rivera's staff and kind of what he's built here. So yes, I in that in that sense, I I do think it is a sign of I guess the culture that he's built there, but I'd say it's more expectation than culture that, you know, while yes, he has trust that it is voluntary, I think the players know deep down that this coaching staff really cares and um yeah i i I would think that you know some of the examples especially of what's going on in in denver with juan james and deshaun hamilton both getting hurt and losing their jobs as a result um i i would think some of them it could really matter especially for the players on on the bubble right like the the late round picks the guys are fighting for that last that last roster spot um you know, out of sight, out of mind is, is kind of the saying, right? Where, you know, you miss time, that could be, you know, more reps yeah. where you could prove yourself. So, you know, I, I I wasn't terribly surprised that that many guys showed up. And I think a lot of guys have been working here in the offseason. You know, a lot of guys live here full time. John Allen, obviously, is from here. But, um, yeah, I, I I feel like probably, yeah, it is it is a sign of what Rivera has established just in his message with the team. And then Sam, what was your take on Fitzpatrick today? Did you, did you learn anything from him? Yeah, I think it was, it was notable to me. Like I, you hear all the time, right? Like he's a veteran quarterback. He knows what he's doing. He's, you know, he's going to get everybody in the right place. And, and I used to cover the chargers and people would say the same thing about Phillip rivers, but sometimes I feel like the, you know, that's a little opaque. I, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but Ron, I think it was Ron today pointed out that there was a there Ryan was trying to get the offensive line or, or trying to get the snap off. And the snap was late because the offensive line was trying to re ID the defensive front after a shift. And, and Ryan was able to step in and say, Hey guys, uh, you know, we can't do that. Um, you know, we, we don't have time to do that uh, before this snap when I, when I go into the cadence. So, you know, let's make sure we're on the same page there. And for a new guy, you know, a new quarterback, in his first practice, you know, with his fellow offensive linemen who, you know, if we're talking Chase, Schweitzer, and, and Scherf, guys that have been there, um, that to me is sort of, you know, the, the perfect um, 
example of, of what people have been talking about when they say Ryan Fitzpatrick brings that veteran presence. He brings that, um, you know, respect uh, that guys will have for him. So I think that's the thing that stuck out to me as much as, you know, that that deep back shoulder to, to Cam Sims, right. to those other things that, that we've talked about. Um, I think, you know, those subtle moments are the things that, that really stand out. Two more topics um, going both to the secondary Landon Collins you know, we watched him out there. What'd you think, Nikki? I was surprised to see him out there, to be honest. I mean, he didn't participate in drills, but he was out there and I, I thought he would be um, a little bit um, or not as, not as far along in his recovery because it's, it's a significant injury, um, especially for a DV, a DV that needs to cut as much as he does. Um, so I, I thought that was a very good sign for him, for the team. Um, I also thought it was interesting just to see how he gets in extra reps when he can't physically be in there um, for 11-on-11s, you know, watching him stand behind the defense and, and kind of mimicking the movements that he would make at, at safety and um, kind of going through the reps in his head. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting and probably a good message to send to, to the younger guys too on, on how to maximize your time out there. And he was kind of coaching him at times too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you could hear him. You could hear him yelling between plays along with Chris Harris, who is should be mic'd up for he, every. Practice. He was well. Hold on, because he's the other topic. So hold off on him yeah. for a second. Okay, sorry. But but yeah, but with Landon, I mean, I think that's one of the values that Sam that he still brings is that he. It's you know you always look at the play on the field, but the guy can still play, but he also knows the game very well. Right. So. You know, you could still see that. Um, Sam, what did you think of? And you, we also talked to him afterwards. What did you think of from from some of his comments and just watching him today? Yeah, I thought it stuck out uh, like that knowledge. You know, hey, Bobby McCain, eleven personnel. You know, uh, Troy Apke wrote things like things like that that he was yelling. And and really, I think that's honestly what he emphasized in in his press conference with us was that that knowledge. I mean, um, he you know as 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 much as we can debate, kind of you know where he was physically last year. Um, he even said, I, I think he went out of his way to point out that, you know, he felt that if he were on the field against the Buccaneers, I think he, the yeah. quote was the defense could have been, or his, his play would have been 10 times better because he, he felt like he knows Brady. He knows that that team's offensive weapons. Um, and so I think, you know, what he brings to the table mentally is really important. And, and it doesn't seem like uh those conversations, the back and forth, the, you know, what Rivera said and what Del Rio said about him moving to linebacker has really affected him at all because, uh, you know, he said, I was laughing at those, at those comments. And then I think kind you, you brought up to him, you know, how, where do you fit in? Uh, if Cam Curl tried to bring it up gently, like, really... <laughs> right. And he, he didn't seem to be too stressed about that. It was just like, I'm, no. I'm proud of how he's playing and, and we'll see. So, um, you know, I think I think he still has that that self confidence in, in not only his physical ability, but what he can bring in terms of vision and IQ. All right, so the last one then, Pete Hayner or Chris Harris mic'd up. Who you got? Both. <laughs> um, <laughs> why do I got to pick one? I mean, you Pete, don't. Hayner, I... <laughs> Pete Hayner is n- not for the PG crowd. Um, <laughs> you might have to put earmuffs on the kids for that one. If you like um, F-bombs, you'll love Pete. Yes, he will. Uh, he, yeah, he's something. <laughs> I mean, the one-liners that come out of that guy's mouth is just unbelievable. 
Chris Harris will get you hyped, though. Like, yeah. I don't care what you're doing. If you're watching Chris Harris and watching his enthusiasm just in coaching, you know, a simple play, he'll be running and jumping all over the field. I mean, that's got to be cool as a player. Um, you know, he, he doesn't rip guys completely when they make a mistake, but he is very, very into it. And it, you can see him kind of feed off of it. I mean, they say they do. So, yeah, yeah answer is – See all of the above. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, too, you bring up that running. Like when we talk about running, he's running 30 to 40 yards sometimes to yeah. go slap a guy. He did that with Kendall Fuller's running 30 or 40 yards yes. to go tell him what a great play he made. Mm-hmm. Um, so yo, know, Pete, both one, who who you got? Or should I call you Pete? <laughs> Did I just call you Pete? Oh, oh my man. God. Does does the does the <laughs> does the JK report approve of Pete Hayner S language? Because I could come out with that right now. Yeah, I was, and I, I don't, I don't know if I was referring to you as Pete Haley or Pete Hayner, so I'm not sure which one would be worse or better. Uh, Shout out Pete. If, two incredibly <laughs> different, like both veterans. If, uh, if, I wouldn't mind, if I, I wouldn't mind Pete Haley make up on the sideline sometimes. <laughs> he he would have all the all the gambling insight. Uh, if I were if I were HBO, I would pick Hayner. If I were ESPN or, or someone a little more family friendly. Uh, I, I would pick Harris, but personally, I just think Pete Hayner is, is, I don't know if it's the gruffness. I don't know if it's the, he just sometimes seems like so flabbergasted at like the inability (laughs) of his tight ends to grasp concepts. And I know that's probably his whole bit, but I just think it's really like, I think if you're, if you're a fan coming out to training camp or, you know, something like that, like he's definitely got to be one of the stars of the show or or, Chris Harris too, just because of of the way that, that those guys go about their business. I, I would probably pick Hayner, um, but but certainly it is a, it's a 1A, 1B situation where you really can't go wrong. Well, I also think like if, for example, if, um, if HBO were doing it, if they're having a bad day, they're going to use a Pete Hayner clip. <laughs> if, it's an, uh, if it's a good day, they're going to use Chris Harris. There was more energy in practice, and here comes Chris Harris sprinting to the line or whatever. So I think they kind of complement each other, and – Hayner is definitely more colorful. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of curly from city slickers in him, you know. Yeah. So I am yeah. curious about Matsko though. I think he's a sleeper in this competition. How would we know? We never talked to him. I know that's why you got to mic him up. Let's go. <laughs> we need to know about John Matsko. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would also add as one more note. I I covered the Chargers when Chris Harris was there as an as an assistant. And he worked with with Derwin James and, and Casey Hayward and some of those guys. And Chris Harris was not um, he was not as like energetic. I, I don't know really? if it was because he was an assistant or, or or what. I mean, he was still an energetic guy that, that you would notice, but he wasn't all over the practice field uh, at, at least that I noticed like he is now. So I, I wonder if if that's something that he's kind of embraced, uh, you know, in, in recent years because obviously it certainly seems to be effective. Yeah, and I wonder if when you become a the you know you're more of the position coach that you can do more and be more of who you want to be, and you kind of hold back maybe for somebody else. But but yeah, no, I think I think that energy is infectious. And the funny thing is, I think the players respond to both things because I think with Hayner, those guys understand he's going to coach them this way, and I don't think he's a jerk about it. I think he's just colorful about it. So I think the methods can both be effective. So. Hopefully we learn some more next week and just as we move forward here. So thanks. There's a lot more football to talk about over the next few months. Thanks a lot for coming on. As always, you guys are great. Thanks for having us, Con.
What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime Report, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Sam and Nikki for joining me. Remember to follow them on Twitter, Nikki at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A, and at Sam4TR. Also, go to monkeyknifefight.com. You heard the promo. Use promo code JKR. Get a free $5 game. They're going to match your 100 uh, up to, uh, um, they're going to match your deposit up to $100. And again, thank you for listening. I'll be back with another episode later this week. Talk to you next time.